Welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast. Today we have Stephen Murphy, co-founder of Prohibition Partners. We're going to be talking about cannabis today, um, which is a big area of interest for investors at the moment, as we've seen over the last uh, three months or so. It's, um, It's a hot market in the US. It's a hot market in Canada. It's a hot market even here in the UK, as we've seen with some recent listings. Um, so um, it's a great opportunity to really catch up on what's going on in the sector at the moment. So um, welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Perfect. Thank you for having me. We can see, you know, from the work we've been doing with um, the Armchair Trader that there's a lot of enthusiasm for cannabis. We're calling it Cannabis 2.0. We we, we, we were here before when uh, there was a big um, wave of cannabis stocks coming onto the market. I think it's um, now three and a half, four years ago. Some people at the time said it was a bit of a flash in the pan, but it seems to be coming back again with a vengeance. What's different this time? What What's driving the market this time? And what's made it different from the previous sort of wave of hot cannabis investments? I think probably two, two main things. The first, I would say, is the quality of companies and quality of management that are there. Uh, you know, early stage, it was young entrepreneurs and maybe inexperienced management teams dealing with everything from international rollouts to capital markets. And secondly, there's a market. There is a market. There is significant sales. Back four years ago, the actual addressable market it was more future looking. Uh, and the market that was available for these companies was very limited. So they all talked of, you know, doing sales in Europe or doing sales, you know, in in the US or doing sales in Canada. And it would be, you know, the valuations would be based on revenue from year two or year three, opposed to what they're currently trading at. And I think it's matured quite quickly, whereby both the investment community and I would say the management um, side of the space has grown up quite quickly uh, to be a little bit more realistic on what is happening in the market, but also you know to recognize and acknowledge that there has been significant regulatory changes, not just in North America but around the world in the last three or four years. That, that's certainly something I've been I've noticed is is that there are some there are some companies out there that are still getting a lot of love from investors. Um, that have been around for a while and they're obviously um, the survivors from the previous wave or indeed they've been around even longer than that. And then you've got new companies coming along. Um, we saw a lot of interest, for example, around Canabo listing in London. These these seem to be um, less well established or, or they have been working behind the scenes and, and now they've decided to come to the market. Yeah, so I think... The, the the announcement by the FCA uh, in October of last year, essentially acknowledging or recognizing the demand for cannabis in the UK and in Europe is being a massive changing point for the European cannabis industry. So one of the the key issues that cannabis in Europe has faced, you know, apart from stifling regulation, has been access to capital. And that has slowed down uh, the growth of this industry, whereas now companies are realizing, one, you know, that they have a path to liquidity and two, investors are realizing that, 
you know that there is opportunities for short-term gains in the in in the space so what we are seeing is an array of companies that have been on the sidelines for the last two or three years who may not have been able to get access to the capital required to you know execute on their strategy whereas now there is that opportunity to to to, to raise revenue or to raise capital and do so through listing. And this, I mean, the regulatory issues, obviously what's making people much more enthusiastic about the sector now than previously. Um, I, I remember last time around, there was a lot of focus on the Canadian industry and the Canadian industry is still a big player in, in the overall rollout of, of um, CBD and, and cannabis but um, certainly from the North American perspective, there's been a lot of excitement um, following the election in November um, and the, the expectation that potentially the Democrats and the Biden administration will, will liberalize the U.S. cannabis market as well. How, how significant do you think that's going to be to the, the overall size of this market and actually helping it to mature? Look, I think we're still in the very, very early days, especially in the UK, when we talk of change in regulations, it's still a very small and limited market where patients have to go through a private uh, closed system, you know, in order to get access to medical cannabis. Unlike other markets in Europe, say Germany, where it is funded by both state and, and, and private health insurers, patients in the UK are paying out of their pockets for this. And that is going to stifle growth, you know, substantial growth in this space for for, for a year, for two years. Un- nice, recognize what 50 other countries around the world have recognized in, t- in terms of the therapeutic benefits and values of, of cannabis and medical cannabis. So you have to be somewhat realistic as well. We're, we're not going to see it go from you know, last year in the UK, to give you some some context, there was around 100, maybe 150 patients. This year, we will have probably close to 4,000 patients. Yes, it's a substantial growth year on year, and it is following following the pattern that we've seen in Australia. But it, it will take time to build solid numbers here. So what it does is it limits the market size to just a few players. So there's currently only a few players that can really, you know, be profitable and own the the existing market. So it it, it pulls, I suppose, investors into limited choices within the space. But you know, it, it makes the competition a little bit harder. And certainly the quality of management teams out there are being challenged in in this space so that's one of the positives investors can look at is because access to capital has been so hard for so long now things have changed in the last three or four months but prior to that uh, having access to capital and certainly access to, to revenue has been has been a challenge you've really seen really good management teams shine through what we are seeing is now that cannabis has certainly become recognized or accepted and accredited as a legitimate industry and a legitimate career, we're definitely, we're definitely getting um, a wave of an influx of talent from other industries who, you know, maybe two years ago would have turned their nose up at the thought of joining a cannabis company. You know, you're, 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 you're getting 
talent from the big four. Uh, you're getting talent from from major uh, tech companies. You're getting talent from the financial district, and that's very very exciting because that talent can help you know navigate regulations. It can help speed up the market, and it can continue to build investor confidence, which is absolutely essential if you know if the market is going to be unlocked and achieve the scale that we think we think it can you know that it's achieving in 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 north america my impression certainly with can with the cannabis stocks that we've seen so far has been that the investor take up has been the more um i would say adventurous investors um getting in early i mean some of the stocks having said that there, there seems to be a lot of um of retail money going into them as well so it does seem that there is an awareness within the certain a certain segment of the market. But then, as you say, there are a lot of other investors, including larger ones, who are still on the sidelines, maybe because they're still worried about the legality of, of cannabis, or maybe they're thinking that it doesn't have as big a future as some people say. And, and talking to some investors, there seems to be a, a level of uncertainty about just how legal this is, because even a couple of years ago, there was a the concerns by some of the stockbrokers about whether or not they were actually allowed to own cannabis um, stocks in um, you know, the custody custody accounts of private investors in the UK. Do you, do you think that the sort of the regulatory situation? I know we've had that clear statement already from the FCA, but do you think that regulatory issue or that legal issue has been a little bit of a break on the growth of the sector recently? Oh, without a doubt, you know, there there wasn't a, a conference or a talk that I didn't go to uh, over the last four years in London that didn't, you know, f- talk heavily around poker. And it's been such a focus point for investors because, you know, they need they need to tick that box. And, you know, that's it's taken up so much real estate when it comes to when it comes to to you know learning about the industry, the fact that 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 has been they've been relieved of that level of, of compliance will certainly have a massive impact. You talk about the first three companies. So there's we we had a, a session uh, with Cannabis Europa on Tuesday of this week, and we had uh, members from the LSE, we had members from uh, the Aquius, we had you know members from Memory or from Hill Dickinson and from Peterhouse Capital, and really you know we've been trying to frame the conversation around London is open, but in in essence London has been open uh, since 2018. You know the Aquius or what was then known as the Neo or the Nexus had been has had number of companies trading on it now the listings of the three companies in the last three weeks on both the lse and the the aim the main market has been really 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 positive for the industry as a whole in relation to where do i think those three companies sit in the scheme of of the industry you know it's it's very early days you know are those the best three companies that are in the sector, et cetera. That's not really for, for, for me to decide, but I do think it's giving investors the opportunity to invest in cannabis. And there is talks of between both the, the, the LSE and the, the Equius this year of between 25 and 30 companies listing. By the end of this year, you will have quite a, a wide variety of choice for investors who want to deploy capital in the space. What you're seeing is it's not just 
companies. You mentioned the stars, Cannabis 2.0. And I think it's, from an investor angle, it is 2.0. 1.0 investors were all looking and talking about cultivation. We got to be in cultivation. We got to grow. We got to manufacture. Whereas now it's moved on from that. You know, nobody's talking about how much capacity they have to, to, to grow. Cannabis is quickly becoming a commodity. In, in from a cultivation perspective, especially as it becomes more globalized and you're seeing markets like Colombia produce for 10 cents a gram, whereas in Canada, it's costing 190 for the best cost producer. You're, you're looking at companies that are, you know, R&D focused or specifically focused on on the, the delivery mechanisms or delivering, looking at the technology or looking at the, the, the ancillary side of the sector. And that's, you know, that's what will appeal to you know and bring a wider base of investors into the space of, of giving them choice as to what they can invest in it's been proven that that this is a fully compliant and heavily regulated market so that should give the the, the investor base confidence in that but the fact that you're getting greater choice as to what you can invest in is you know is, is, is going to be a massive massive bonus. Uh, for 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 the industry at large, how how significant do you think the the ETF market is going to be here? Because we have seen numbers from the ETF industry from guys like Track Insight um, over the last couple of months have identified you know some of the best performing ETFs out there right now are those which are focused on admittedly North American cannabis stocks, but those kinds of channels could actually bring quite a lot of important new capital into the sector and i i I fully anticipate that we'll probably see the same thing happening um here eventually once as you say there are enough um enough companies on the market for for funds like that to actually be able to get exposure to do you think do you see that as as a potentially important development and and if you do do, what what sort of time scale do you think that would be for the uk as well to see firstly active investment manager participation in the market but then secondly dedicated cannabis funds or cannabis etfs um, investing in the local market yeah i think it's a massive bonus for for the space and something that is pretty untapped when it when it comes to the european industry you know you there is i think three etfs uh, focused on on europe two listed to two 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 based in in london the challenge with etfs in europe is they were probably ahead of their time there's still early stage i think they're all either a year old or just under a year old can you um tell us a bit more about the regulatory situation as far as the eu is concerned because obviously that's a big market and um i have seen that there has been a little bit of argy-bargy between the french and the european commission about how the eu is going to go about regulating and liberalizing its own uh, cannabis products market where, where where what's the situation with that at the moment where do you see that going uh the eu isn't going to do anything uh you know that's i think that's pretty clear it's going to be down to the member states as to how they treat and regulate cannabis being involved in you know going to brussels pretty much every six months for the last few years and every time it's a brand new set of diplomats and advisors who are there to greet you and it's the same process of educating them on the system and educating them as to what is what is what is happening around the world there's zero progress made and and zero intent to make progress 
from an, from an EU perspective. So it is very much down to the member states to actually make their own domestic policy and regulation. And you're seeing that. So, you know, for, for a group like ours that provides strategic consultancy and market intelligence, it's great because, uh, you know, we, we trying to keep on track of what is happening across all member states is quite a struggle for a single, for a single company. So, we have the ability to map out what's happening in Germany and how Germany is different to Denmark and how Denmark is different to Italy. And, you know, what you are seeing is there are significant differences. There's significant differences in relation to focusing on domestic cultivation, focusing on uh, self-sufficiency, focusing on capital markets, focusing on the relationship between cannabis and the national healthcare system. And it is quite frustrating that the EU hasn't given some guidance on it. I think that may change when the US goes federal uh, and when you've got this mammoth market that will be dictating terms on international trade. I think that will obviously ruffle feathers in Brussels, but up until now there isn't there isn't any advice or suggestions or recommendations or guidance coming from the EU. It's, it's, it's down to each member state in which to implement their own uh, regulation. And what's their, what's their posture like? I mean, I know, the, I know the Germans have been discussing it recently, and that's obviously a huge market. Um, and one that's been quite open to the idea of innovative health products. So presumably what you're saying is that someone like Germany, for example, could say, yes, no, we're, we're happy with distribution of CBD, you know, medicinal products and and Bob's your uncle as far as the cannabis sector is concerned. So, yeah. So I think what, you, what you're what you're talking about there is 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 novel foods and, you know, the over the counter market of, of CBD. Yes, Europe, Europe has made some moves on that in terms of, you know, one recognizing it and to the treatment of of cannabis. But that hasn't been achieved by the EU's acceptance of cannabis. It has been through their inability to defend their position from legal challenges. <laughs> That's unfortunately the backward thinking environment that that Brussels is in regard to you know, future-looking, future-looking markets. Cannabis isn't unique in its in its position in in terms of the position the EU has taken towards it. You can look at any forward-looking or innovative markets the EU has struggled to 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 keep pace with, and that does damage because it slows down lack of access to patients in 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 Europe, and it also gives rise to international competition who can operate you know maybe they may be able to operate in, in europe but you know can also do so in other international markets whereas european companies are going to be much more focused on domestic markets and you you touched on there also the fact that you know we're talking here about the use of cbd either as a as a, a health product or or in the medical profession and this has been seems to have been the focus um area for many of these um, first mover companies. Um, one thing that some governments have shied away from is the wider use of, um, uh, for example, cannabis um, being made available within foods and things like that. Is that How do you see that playing out? Do you see, see that being um, a future area or do you think that they will keep, keep that more, more sort of wider 
recreational access um, under tight control. When we try and describe cannabis as an, under one umbrella, it's pretty difficult. Cannabis has industrial benefits. You know, it can be used in construction. It can be used in uh, electro engineering. It can be used in uh, cosmetics. It can be used as a food ingredient. It can be used uh, in in healthcare. It can be used in dermatology. Where we try and limit what cannabis can be, or try try and put it under under an umbrella term, it can be quite challenging. So, you know, to 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 give some to give some 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 context, I think when you talk about food, food, food with food as a as a is an infused ingredient, cannabis infused in food and drink, we have seen dramatic change in terms of consumer demand for those type of products. Both, you know, of the the health and wellness side, but in markets where it is legal, in an adult use side as well. You know, the the you've got different types of products for different types of experiences, and the consumption method and delivery method are very different, and the formats are very different through food and drink. So you have seen an explosion in in the certainly in the in the drinks market uh, across Europe over the last over the last three years. So that is. Two things are, are driving that. One is certainly a move away from alcoholic beverages and alcoholic consumption. And the second is just a natural trend in health and wellness. So a, a more focus on health and wellness are the two correlated, absolutely. But you know they are still massive driving forces for this new consumer demand in cannabis-infused drink and food products. Like we're, 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 seeing, we're seeing products launch almost on a, on a, on a weekly basis in, in, in the UK that are CBD-infused or infused with, with, with other, other cannabinoids or flavonoids. You mentioned, just finally, you mentioned the, um, earlier on in this discussion that uh, you envisaged there being a pipeline of um, more companies in this sector um, coming onto the market. And it, it sounds like there are quite a few. Can you say anything more about those? Or, or if, you, if you're not able to mention any names, but just the sort of areas we might see new IPOs coming from, sort of subsectors within the, within the cannabis industry? Yeah, of course. As I said, we're at the 2.0 stage. So there was big news during the week of a European integrated cannabis company called EMAC, based out of London, being acquired by the biggest MSO, a multi-state operator in the US, uh, Cureleaf, for over $280 million. And that makes it one of the biggest transactions, uh, not only this year across all of cannabis, but uh, certainly for, for, for a cannabis company to go from origination to $280 million in in the course of three years, in in a small emerging market is nothing short of remarkable so the types of you know the types of companies that you're seeing is you're seeing more integrated companies you're seeing some that are pure play consumer packaged goods and they obviously you know for for any consumer packaged goods they need that capital to to really open up the market you are seeing some that are pure tech focused so don't touch the plant uh, are purely based on the ancillary uh, ancillary side, you're going to see more delivery technology. You're going to see more companies focused on the ancillary side of the industry. So again, don't touch the plant, but provide the services for 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 the space and 
have the ability to, to scale their business. Now you're you're going to get you're going to continue to get those that touch the plant as well and have access to the plant. So distribution and manufacturing, extraction and so on, the, they're all core to, to the industry, but it comes down to the management team's ability to, to grow those companies. So for us, you know, I think we're very excited by Europe is going to continue to be either a medical focus, especially when it comes to, to medical cannabis, or there will be a health and wellness market. Adult use, despite markets like uh, Switzerland, Portugal, the trial that's happening in France, despite these trials and, and, and discussions, it's going to take some time before you know regulations are, are properly bolted in and and you have a thriving market like we've seen you know that we see in the US it takes anywhere between 2 to 2 to 3 years before the market catches up with regulatory changes well thank you very much indeed for that Stephen that's that's been really illuminating and it does sound to me like there's going to be a um, much wider menu of companies for investors to look at within sort of 6 to 9 months down the line uh, thanks very much indeed for coming on on the show this afternoon no, look, it's it's an amazing investment class. There's definitely nothing else like it. And in terms of in terms of growth, you know, it's the quickest growing industry in North America. That's going to take root in Europe as well. It's going to take root, you know, in in Asia. It's going to take root in Oceania. It's it's already taking root in in Latin America. When we first started covering the space five years ago, there was less than ten countries legal. Today, there's over fifty. And that's a, in a very short period of time. So, you know, in terms of the growth potential of this market, I always say if you try and put cannabis on a growth curve, it's not on the growth curve yet. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. To get uh, up-to-date commentary on what's happening in the share markets, both in Europe and North America, and our views on some of the emerging investment stories in the small cap space, make sure you check out www.thearmchairtrader.com and sign up to our free daily newsletter.